0: Dynasty Podcast presents Dynasty casts, a live panel discussion with industry experts and innovative creatives. Hosted by Haima Black. No RSVP required. Thank you everyone for coming out tonight. We have a packed house here at Chicago Athletic Association Hotel. I'm so excited to see everyone here. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Jaime Black, I'm the host of Dynasty Podcast. We are the first ever and longest running music podcast in the city of Chicago's history. We've been podcasting longer than NPR, that's our claim to fame. Longer than NPR by one day. So, uh, tonight's panel, how to break into the festival industry. Uh, I'm very excited about this, uh, presenting it with Future Factory. We have Michael Wing right here from Future Factory and also Michael Wing from Autograph, who just played Coachella. Give it up for Autograph at Coachella. We have a really killer panel tonight. Uh, we went above and beyond, so I'm so glad you guys are all here to welcome them. We have Allie Ellinger. What I? Ellinger. Ellinger, I wanted to make sure I got that right. Talent buyer at C3 and Lollapalooza. Wow. Uh, we have Jen Kellogg, tour accountant at Van's Warped Tour and co-founder at the Entertainment Institute. We have Chris Kasky, president at Pitchfork Music Festival and Pitchfork Media. And Lucas King, King, founder at React Presents. So I wasn't kidding, we have a killer lineup tonight. Uh, But this panel, I wanted to put this together because I, I teach at Columbia College and I hear so often, and this many students being here confirms it, I hear so many students talk about wanting to work in the festival business, wanting to work for a Lollapalooza, a Warped, a Coachella, like they want to be in this business. So we're going to answer some questions about that very topic tonight. But let's kind of do some introductions first. Like, Let's have each of you elaborate, kind of talk about what you do with your respective companies, what your role is, all of that. And we don't have to go in any order, so whoever wants to
1: start. I'll start. (laughs) Hi. So, uh, I'm a founder of React Presents, and there's a number of festivals in our portfolio, as well as a number of venues that we operate, and um, in the concert industry as well, club shows, um, everything from the 200-person to, you know, 40,000, 50,000-person festival. Um, I have personally done it all, started from the bottom, uh, handed out flyers at one point in my life, and now um, oversee a great team, but I've, I've touched everything, and uh, that's it.
2: Yeah, my name's Chris, and I'm the president at Pitchfork, so pitchfork.com is a music publication that I run uh, that obviously publishes daily music, news, reviews, um, various, various things, video and beyond. Um, and in 2005 or so, uh, founded the Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago, which we've been doing um, for the last since then. And in 2010, I think we started another Pitchfork Music Festival in Paris. So we now have two that'll be on its seventh year, and then Chicago. I think this is its 13th or 14th year. I can't remember exactly. Um, so yeah, my the our, the festival business is a is a very meaningful part of what we do, both from like a business perspective as well as just from for in the city and our existence in general and how we've grown, but it also like when the beast that is the website and the media entity and all of that that come with it, uh, having to look after both of those things has been pretty much my day-to-day. Uh, you know, to echo the point of just kind of comprehensively overseeing what's going on. So we're a team. We were acquired actually. Pitchfork was acquired um, last fall. Well, shit, uh, two years ago maybe. I don't. I literally. I think I've got Alzheimer's already. Um, but. In, in Viacom and Ast, who's who's a larger media company that's still privately owned uh, that runs like the New Yorker and Vogue and GQ. So, we're the first digital-only property that they acquired, and then obviously come, with with that comes um, how we kind of integrate our event and festival business alongside. So, led that too, and here we are.
3: I'm a roadie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm the tour accountant for the Vans Warped Tour, which I've done for the last nine years. <clears throat> so I spend my summers uh, on the punk rock summer camp, living on a tour bus and crunching numbers on the road. Before that, I used to be a talent buyer at Jam Productions, where I mostly did theaters and arenas and a whole lot of minor league baseball parks. I've been over to over a third of the minor league baseball parks in this country, and I've never seen a minor league baseball game. So <laughs> put on a lot of concerts there. Um, I also have a company called the Entertainment Institute, where um, particularly on the Warp Tour, artists hold backstage workshops and teach their fans about uh, playing the drums or how to be an entrepreneur or how to do concert photography. Um, And I teach at Columbia College, Chicago. So if you want to learn about producing and touring live entertainment, and you
4: go to Columbia, come take my class, please. Yep. Uh, I'm a talent buyer at C3 Presents. Um, We do many festivals. I guess the one that you guys most likely know is Lollapalooza here in Chicago. Um, but also Austin City Limits, we do Lollapusa in many different countries. Um, I also book theaters, clubs across the country and just like Lucas, I started at the bottom. Now I'm here.
0: Yeah. So I would love to talk a little bit more about like kind of the early stages of each of you working in or developing the, the festival component, like whether you were approaching a pre-existing operation or founding it, like what made each of you want to work in the festival industry or want to start a festival?
1: Okay. I got some in line, so I'll take it. Um, (laughs) I was actually at Pitchfork when we first founded North Coast. Um, This is our eighth year of North Coast. Uh, I was with a buddy of mine, Michael Berg, and we were walking through and um, they do their thing. They do it very well. Um, we, We felt that the, the the venue and, and, and the neighborhood and all that were were prime for something that we for our own vision and um, we've you know we, we that was my first founding festival um, that happened so it was way it.
3: back in my college days but we put on Run DMC in uh, like in the, the spring festival in like 1998 in University of Iowa and it was phenomenal to be <laughs> part of and I think that that probably planted the seed for me on things that I ended up doing later on down the road.
2: Yeah, I mean, for us, we, uh, again, we were running, like, a media entity. And because at, at the time, in, like, 2003 and four, it was a, a digital-only thing, which meant we were, like, these little shitheads on the Internet that anyone that did th- <laughs> anything in print cared more about everything in print, and no one cared about the Internet. And we were trying to find ways to, uh, you know create something that felt like it was you know, like represented our point of view and again I was like 22 or something and it was we were just also just dumb and um, doing what we wanted because we were kind of lived on the peripheral of the music industry we lived on the peripheral of a lot of things and felt like the festival would be a good way to you know celebrate the artists that we didn't feel were being maybe perhaps uh, properly you know presented in other festivals be it not even being booked or being shoved into some corner tent or something like that, and then the the community of people that were reading our website, it kind of became our version of like a print magazine in some ways, and then with that, of course, you build a business on top of it, but a lot of it came, a lot of our inspiration came from uh, going as journalists and as, you know, people that are supposed to be covering music all the time, of going to other festivals, specifically in Europe, where we learned a lot, saw the, the ways in which they were able to operate their music festivals there, and try to take some of those best practices and some of the things that we thought were really cool and implement them here. And again, try to do things in your own right. But uh, again, we I think at this point it, it's somewhat everyone every year we you know when you're interviewed it's like what's new this year and the answer is like always literally like nothing, which probably makes us not very innovative and and anti-capitalistic. But because it's a secondary piece of our business, you know, to the point of liking what we do and how our space is operated, we can be indulgent and grow other things in other areas instead and. And continue to refine the craft of what we're doing in in our park now, so... But um,
3: consistent is good. If nothing, you know, people can rely on it. They know they're going to go have,
2: like... Hopefully. I mean, that's that's, that's the challenge and, and the responsibility, right? So our job is to put something on that people want to attend and that, for us, music is the focal point, as it should be at any music festival and anything around that, be it corporate sponsorship or anything, you know, it should augment that process and that experience. So learning from that and thinking about Like having a media entity that then can operate and maybe take some of the stuff off the ground and put it into the internet, into the ether, it allows us to be a bit more free on the ground too, since we're not forced to have three days and then it stops for a year and comes back. So that's the long and short of it.
4: For me, it was a little different. I I went to college in Austin and, and loved the city and I attended Austin City Limits while in school and I thought, how cool it was to go there and to have this experience with music, with just the experience as a whole, um, to kind of be able to escape and have this great weekend. And I said, I you know I want to be a part of that. I want to help do that for other people, and that's kind of was my motivation to get into the festival industry.
0: Yeah. So I think it's easy to look and see what the cool advantages might be of working in the festival business, like what the fun part is, but what are the challenges and the the real like hard work that goes into it that maybe people don't see when they're just showing up to party at like a Beyonce set?
4: Being on your feet 18 hours a day for two weeks in a row. (laughs) I live on a bus with 11 men for two months.
2: (laughs) I think it... it,
4: Win. Being responsible
2: for a massive amount of people sitting in a park that you're in control of is a little unusual. Um, considering you have to keep them safe, hydrated, fed, alive, uh, it's it's a complete and utter nightmare. And when you see things fall apart quickly, uh, that is terrifying. So you try to not for that to not to happen. Weather's always scary. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Never good.
1: To that point, um, yeah, the evacuation thing can be be interesting <laughs> <laughs>
4: very
0: <laughs> so how do each of you prepare for the role and what you know for anybody who's in the room anybody who's watching or listening to this now or later what, what should they be doing to prepare like what kind of preparation goes into working in the festival I know it's a very broad question but what's some preparation that goes into this
4: like how do we prepare or how,
0: how do you prepare or and or how should they prepare if they want to do this
3: oh I got one uh, learn a little bit of everything. Uh, be able to wear every hat that you can see around you. Uh, any hole that you see not being filled, figure out how you can jump in and fill it. Uh, just collect a variety of skills. Uh, don't feel bad about jumping around from one job to a different job to a different job if you're learning different things, because you're going to be able to then kind of fill a lot of gaps. Um when, when, you're, when you're in a position you'll fall back on things like, oh, I remember doing that once. I know something about that. And nothing is below you. I, I don't know how to say no. I sell tickets out in front of the box office yeah. in the pouring rain when they don't staff enough ticket sellers at the venues. And Kevin Lyman, who produces the Warp Tour, he's out like telling people where to move po- porta-potties around and schlepping by crack. So we, we all jump in and empty the garbage when it needs to be emptied.
4: And, Watch, we will be the ones out here cleaning well, up. We're, yeah, we're gonna cle- we're gonna pick up all the chairs at the end of this.
0: Watch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to that point, um, yeah, check your ego at the door, roll up your sleeves, keep your head down, shut the fuck up, <laughs> do your work, and people will notice the good work and will want to have you back, and you will excel. It's it's not rocket science. That's really what it comes down to.
3: I think that's a huge, huge thing. Every job that I got after I left Jam Productions in 2007, I got when somebody thought of me from when they had worked with me in the past, it was never when I was looking for a job. So I realized then that every settlement I had, every meeting at the box office, every interaction I had with people was networking, and it was just me doing my job, but people remember like, oh, she has her shit together a little bit. Like maybe we'll see if she's available for this thing that's come up. And I think that people notice when there's good work, for sure.
2: Throwing a music festival is also, for those of you who are married or perhaps desire to, it's also just like throwing your own wedding and then also, like, having to run it while you're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, you spend the time pr- pr- preparing for it. You try to do as much as you can to, to again, all of these points I completely and utterly really agree with because, I mean, I have videos of shoveling vendor grease off of Washington because the vendors jetted out with their, like, fried corn dogs at some point, and we were going to get sued by the city or get really, you know, fined, not sued. Um, but, you know, being able to do everything. But when you think about the feeling of... Having to go somewhere where you're both the center of attention and trying to be the absolute opposite of that, because you have to keep things together, is is that a pretty heady thing? Uh, but again, I think it comes to the territory in that you keep your head down and you stay out of the way in some cases, and just let the organized chaos and the people there and everyone doing their jobs do their thing. And it it's uh, there's so there's hundreds of people that go into all of these events and all these these different things, and and you know you see. Our festival has a lot of the Chicago music scene working for it through our part, our production partners, uh, like Jazz Network, and you'll see like amazing like flautists or like a cello player like shoveling ice into like the beer buckets because that's what they want to do every year for a decade. So it's uh, there is no ego. You're doing it for the people that are there. Obviously, a business is a part of that, but it's. Uh, it's not about the eye, you know? It's about no one, you, you look out at the crowd and you feel cool, but no one ever looks back and is like, that was you. And like, it, is, you just, it just happens, in not it? Only you and those that you might love are the ones that are ever gonna actually care about your involvement in the first place. I think, maybe. It's great when you're cynical.
3: with your teammates and be like, we, we made this happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody else knows who you are, but you're like with exactly. your team, right. you're like,
2: this, or You're getting this kicked is- off your own stage, it's like, wait a minute, like, security doesn't know like, what's going on right now. It's like, all right.
4: Whatever. I, I think the team thing is big too. You gotta be able to work well with others. That's the big thing for, for us is, I don't know, no matter what happens, you, you, you know, you get together with this group of people that you spend all this time with and you execute this amazing thing. Um, and I think working well with others is a big, big part of it.
3: I'm hiring crew for the Warp Tour right now, not for the Warp Tour, but my company on the Warp Tour. And the number one thing I'm looking for is, did you have drama the last time you were on the tour with other people? If so, no. I'm.
0: <laughs> so, Jen, you just perfectly set up my next question, which is literally, like, for each of you, what do you look for when you're hiring, when you're bringing on a coworker, an assistant, a collaborator? Like, what are the traits you are seeking and the people that are going to be part of your team and operation?
1: Experience and people that have, have been doing this and are working hard and are doing everything that we've all just... And talking about,
2: I mean, I think also for us, there's a lot of, um, you know, obviously like don't be an asshole. That's like the general principle. Is if you're an asshole, like you need to know how to be an asshole, but not actually be an asshole. Um, so like finding that line when thinking about who you're working with, because you need to be an asshole at, if you're if you need something done, but if you're just always a fucking asshole, then no one, everyone hates you. And <laughs>
3: So an effective asshole.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, just able to utilize your assholishness to the best of your abilities uh, is an important trait because you need to learn, I mean, whether regardless, if you're hauling ice and someone gets in your way, you should be able to yell at them and not, that doesn't represent who you are as a human, right? You can still talk well, you the can also, off.
3: Yeah, you can, you can yell at them in a nice way to go, or you, must. you can make them cry. Like, you want somebody that's not going to make them cry.
2: Correct. Um, so, but, it, you know, you, you look for that, and then for us, we've also, I think that... In a, I don't want to get into the millennial thing, but there's like a definitely a mentality that's kind of two roads that run parallel to each other. And one of it, and I find that like younger people that are being elevated to positions within our organization that are probably unprepared in some cases are some of the best people that we have because they're the ones that are not only willing to do everything, not because you're taking advantage of them, but because they just want to be involved. And then they become indispensable. Whereas anyone that comes in, like your accomplishment and your previous history is important, but it's your intellect and your desire to just do the same thing that we're all doing, which is shoveling garbage and all that. If you can exhibit that, it's like, it, I, I find that like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, again, there's a two-sided coin to that, but a lot of people that work for us are very young and that are very driven and really working hard to, to do what they are responsible for, and that's great. It's like Elevating that is huge because they wouldn't get the opportunity otherwise.
4: We like to look for a thing that we coined figured outness. <laughs> Um, and it goes to what you were saying is just, it, it, it just kind of, you know, whatever needs to be done, you do it. Uh, you know, figure out where the holes are, figure out, it, it, you know, we, we have to teach obviously we have, you know, but someone who can, you said something about grabbing ice, you know, there's, hey, can you go get ice and someone asks, well, where's the ice merchandiser? Oh, it's, it's right behind you. you know, but What am I going to carry the ice with? Where is it supposed to go? <laughs> yeah. How many ice
0: I, I had no idea ice was going to be like the central <laughs> key. <laughs> you know, it's like okay. it's, oh, it's, 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 it's important. The yeah. number
3: one question it's a commodity. on the radio at Warp Tour every morning. Where's the ice truck? Where's the ice truck? Where's the ice truck? Like, look around. It says ice on the side of it.
0: So somebody right. brings you a resume, and they have four bags of ice already. They're, like, They're halfway hairy. in the door. I mean, like, like you know, I don't drink cold beer. You don't want to
2: drink shit. Anything that tastes like like urine, you know, it's like, ice is essential. You don't want to be hot. It's, it, you yeah. have no idea. The ice operations are some of the most sophisticated things we have going at our music festival.
4: We hire a person. Who's for Warp Tour? His job is to deliver ice. We have a we have a liquids department, ice and water, period. That's yeah, what they do. Yeah, ice and water. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I just could, do you guys have uh, an ice sponsor? I want to no. get an ice sponsor at some point. I, I, I'm, I'm I, devoted I, to getting somehow like something that just evaporates to be a sponsor of the festival. <laughs> no, we so don't so have some, an ice some, So Somebody <laughs> start an ice company that's willing to sponsor. Yeah,
0: some entrepreneurial people. students in here start an ice startup that disrupts the ice industry, and that is your. <laughs> Key ice, into ice the Ice logistics
2: and treating it, it like currency is a, is a big thing.
0: Ice on demand. Uber for ice. Um,
4: <laughs> that's, that's actually... Shit. That's not a bad yeah, just, yeah, all right. Yeah, so you, now... Yeah.
2: Off the record, that was for you. <laughs> Keep
0: up. Now we're going in a different direction. But uh, another component of the festival side, outside of ice is that there's really high-profile talent and you can't just have anybody working on the grounds if somebody like Radiohead or Beyonce is there. Somebody that's really like on kind of a legendary level. So... What are the skills that you need, you know, for talent or for workers, you know, who are going to be involved with something where there's very like high-profile talent involved? What, what's part of that?
4: It's someone who doesn't get starstruck, or if they do, they hide it really well. Uh, someone who stays professional. I mean, I'm sure we all have plenty of stories about people who do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing. Um, and there are some crazy artists out there that with crazy demands. Like don't look at them; they they don't want people looking at them. But uh, it just it, someone who can keep their poise, read a situation,
3: and read know situ- when sure. to say come something. in, deliver the thing, and then leave and get out of the way. Or who knows to say, "Hey, do you need anything else?" Or and to, to figure it outness, figure outness, <laughs> be friendly, but know when to like go away. Like you're not there to hang out, but. No. Sometimes you have to chit chat for a minute or two. You're not going to become
0: know. Kanye West's best friend. No. like that's not going to happen. He, he's asked me once before how he looked, though, and I told him he looked great. <laughs>
2: yeah, he did. He looked ridiculous too. It was, it was like the ridiculous necklace, but it was a fun one. I don't know why he asked me.
3: <laughs> you clearly have a very like, good dude, fashion like, sense. Look
2: at me, please. Like you're wearing like a 14 foot phoenix on your chest. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. solid gold. <laughs>
4: And, and honestly, to Not that point, too, though, is I think a lot of people think the music festival industry is all the glamour. You know, we're, we're hanging out with the artists and this and that. And it's it's work. It really is. <laughs> I think a lot of um, people come in thinking, oh, I'm going to hang out with artists or I'm going to do this and that. And uh, it's fun. And, but it's still work. But then yeah. when the festival's over, and you still have, like, several days of loadout. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they're gone. And everybody's gone. <laughs> You're just like, I just want to leave this site. I've been here for, like, a week. Uh-huh. And they've flown in and out on their private jet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, I think uh, for a lot of people, especially we have, like, a lot of students in here, and, uh, you know, a lot of them, they might be thinking, like, well, I want to be a DJ, or I want to be, you know, like, handling artists and, like, doing, like, the fun jobs. But... Those jobs, like, are few and far between. So what are some of the non-obvious roles, outside of the ice part, what are some of the non-obvious roles that, you know, people could fill that might be, like, a good entryway in that they might not know about?
3: I would say, as a patron, any position that you see in front of you is something that's probably available as an entry-level thing. So ticket takers, uh, you know,
4: ushers. I had a list in my head before I started saying the sentence. I I mean... I know here in Chicago, I mean, we're always looking for, um, our, like, our volunteer team is always looking for volunteers to help people Street team, on, Street team. Uh, we're always, I mean, there's so many things. We, you know, we have golf carts that go around backstage. We need golf cart drivers all the time. We need, I mean, there's an Concession c- sellers. Anything. Merged an seller. endless amount of jobs <laughs> to be done, and I think you just, I think the best thing is to just do anything. Even if it it's not gonna end up being your career, but if it means driving a golf cart around or taking tickets, that's that's your foot in the door. We all did that at some point.
2: We're still waiting for someone to explain Snapchat to us. (laughs) So
4: I got a person. As we sit here, we're
2: like, "There's a Snapchat story at this festival. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Who's gonna do it? Apparently, you have a filter. We're figuring (laughs) it out, you know. But
0: nobody gets Snapchat better than college kids. So like, this is your, yeah.
2: I think that there is something to be said for aging people like me, and no one else here is aging, but I believe that I am considerably, and, you know, having, like, (laughs) recognizing where, I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to throw any shade. I don't know how old you are,
3: but I think we're probably (laughs) all about the same age.
2: Either way, I know that I don't know a lot about a lot, right? And I think that, like, my (laughs) nine-year-old daughter knows more about the internet than I do at this point in some ways, so I think there's skill sets that are being brought to the table that are even proactively suggested to us that you know, you're set in your ways. You do a festival for 13 or 14 years. You're you're a harder to move person, but that type of uh, you know s- stickuteness and ability to like speak up for what you might believe. It's, Snapchat's a, a joke example, even though no, but it's also serious real, because it's the uh, way to
3: reach your audience. And if you don't, if you're not using it, you know. So I always tell my students that they need to understand what the standard is in the industry so that they can then reinvent it and find new creative ways to. Uh, you know, take hold of things like marketing with all of the new different platforms yep
0: so along these lines like with the event space always kind of changing with regulations changing, obviously technology is changing so much with the mobile side and now even with like augmented reality and blah 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 like how do your operations stay in charge of that, and how do you stay like adaptive and, and ahead of those kind of things and like wh- I guess how do how does the crowd here too like stay in front of this technology and everything that's going to be changing, I think how some of these pieces work in the festival side.
3: I, the Kevin Lyman, the producer of the Warp Tour, really would like technology to not make things change, so I suggest things like, hey, we could make an app, and then people can pay a dollar on the app to get the schedule, and he's like, no, let's just still sell paper schedules for a dollar. So, you know, it, there's definitely some spaces that I think that there's some authenticity to things not changing a little bit. Um, but uh, bigger festivals, we're also a mobile festival, and bigger festivals, I think, you know, taking advantage, especially like the wristband technology and, and ways to like, track consumers through that um, is probably pretty useful in understanding how people are spending time on your site, mm-hmm. like your physical site.
4: We have a great video and marketing department that really can speak to this better <laughs> than I can. <laughs> Um, but I, I think, I mean, for us and our, our demographic here, and most of our festivals is very young. We, I mean, we have to keep up with that. I mean, it's, it's very important. Um, we do have the RFID technology, which, I'm, you know, we... Like I said, this, you know, it's all changing. I mean, this uh, whole augmented reality, virtual reality. I mean, I know we're talking to sponsors about, I don't know, you put on goggles and you're, it looks like you're on stage. You can do that at a festival. I mean, it's so it's, it's always changing, and you do. It is important for us to keep up with it, but that's not my specialty. So I'm gonna. Well,
2: <laughs> I think I mean you bring up one point, and this isn't to sound grumpy, but like I do think that sponsors are generally bringing the worst ideas to the table, and the ones that are forcing some of this innovation that you might not even want. Like you know, I think if anyone probably here would be like, as analog as you can make this, and as a, as if, as a musician doesn't want a picture taken of, of them or like. You kind of want the festival to be the experience itself and then all the different ways in which you have to create a business surrounding that involve sponsorship and the perfect world is where you drive the creativity yourself and you can bring that to them and then a lot of cases because of the way that the world's structured and the agency worlds are structured and all that you get a lot of ideas that come your way that are pre-built that you have to you know, accommodate because you have to make money to sustain what you're doing and that's where I, there's a really weird uh, dynamic there I think in Maintaining what I think probably like your vision is as a festival and then how that fits into like the commercial side of that and plays into, you know, again, like every one of us has probably talked about the same idea with different, like there's all, not that we're, you know, but there's, the sponsors are coming like, we want virtual reality or we want a, you know, hologram or whatever. And it's like, okay, but do you, like, it's... I have a question for your festival.
3: Does your audience... Uh, continue going for many years over time, or is it the same age range? Do people kind of come for a couple years and age out, or are they getting older with you?
2: Uh, both. I think there's, on average, like, the average age is still young, is young way younger than the website even, but for us, the, you know, we have to we definitely have to start considering the oldies now because they're not going anywhere, but uh, you know, that, that still means that it's primarily 18 to 24 now, right? So... As that happens, um, you know, they're more attuned in seeing sponsorship, but at the same time, they're way more unimpressed <clears throat> by things because they're way more savvy. And uh, that's the challenge where, like, you're trying to be the one that should understand that and then whether or not you can own that creativity and bring that to the commercial side of things and make it work. Again, not this isn't throwing shade on sponsorship more than it is. It's an essential part, but I think that there's a lot of innovation and a lot of opportunity in, in developing whether it's bespoke nature of that or whatever, uh, ways to approach that that aren't, you know, that are driven by those of us that are the ones creatively Well, just to, read to the od- reach
3: something. the audience in the right way, right. that the audience is willing to. And you're to, the like, one that
2: knows your audience, so.
3: <laughs> Yeah. On Warp Tour, I like to say, um, we get older and they stay the same yeah. age.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so if there's something in the uh, merch booth that I like as the 40 year old suburban mom, probably shouldn't be there. I'm not the target demographic but like we are always targeting 13 to 19 year olds is like our main demographic so that it, we ha- it constantly changes because our audience constantly changes and they're on the, the forefront. so it, it definitely benefits me to have people that are more in tune with those things like the Snapchat and what that audience wants to engage with because uh, I certainly don't know from personal experience.
0: So we're going to do one or two more questions and we'll open it up because I know that I'm sure the audience has some really great questions tonight. But for you know, for new teammates, for maybe younger additions to the team, what are some common mistakes you see people make when they're just starting out in the festival business and how can they avoid some of those?
1: I would say that for me, if, if somebody thinks they... I guess it comes down to some some ego or they think they've earned something and, and, they, and really at the end of the day they've done nothing, they haven't put in any time, any work, anything and they and they have an attitude if you're, if you're asking them to do certain tasks and they think they're above that, I mean, that's a big one for me at least.
3: How long do you, so that's like paying dues, how long do you think you paid your dues for before you felt like you, you got still there? Still paying my dues. <laughs> me
1: too. Years on years.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of times people think it's like two months. Like, oh, I had one shitty job that I had to do a bunch of stuff I didn't like. Now I've paid my dues. Which isn't.
4: (laughs) I I also find one of the most uh, frustrating things is when we hire someone. I I work with Artist Relations a lot, and we hire someone to, uh, I don't know, help with the logistics of the artists on site, and they're watching shows instead. That's (laughs) <laughs> the fastest that's, way to get your wristband taken away? That's the fastest way to not be hired back. Get
1: fired. <laughs>
0: yeah. So it sounds like if you want to just go watch, you know, Lollapalooza or something, buy like a just ticket. buy a, yeah. Buy yeah. a wristband.
4: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is a, it's a job. It really is. I, mean, I, I think people don't realize that. I mean, it's work. It's, it's not it, all fun and games.
3: I think that <clears> even at my age being open, I know that there's lots of things I don't know. And, you know, I saw a great quote, like, I'm not young enough to think I know everything I think I see a lot of people that think they know everything because they went to college and recently graduated so they're ready for that you know they know everything and there's a whole lot of people that are willing to say hey I got a lot to learn about this and I'm going to ask lots of questions and I'm going to take every opportunity to pick everybody's brain and it's okay that I don't know everything and that's who I'm interested in
0: so final question here before we open it up to audience Q&A. And by the way, we're going to do audience Q&A over to my right. When you come over, please do not walk in front of the camera here. Please don't bump this setup, because that it's very fragile. So we just don't want to like knock the stream offline, all right? Uh, but if you want to like line up over here, we'll start taking uh, questions in just a moment after my last question. But again, please just be very respectful of our tech setup here. So, you know, kind of winding it down here before audience Q&A, what are some of the next steps that anyone in this room could be taking, like, tonight? You know, what should they be doing as they leave this panel to start getting to that point where they might be in consideration to work for a pitchfork or a warp tour or anything else?
1: Be relentless. Figure out who's making decisions, who's hiring people. Go above and beyond. Blow them up. Tell them you want to work. Tell them you are work for free. I mean, figure out a way in. I
4: agree. I mean, I, I started out interning. I, I think you just you meet as many people as you can, um, and you be willing to do any job, like bring ice.
3: Well, and once you get that first job, that gives you such an in to call up all of the department heads and say, hey, can I come pick your brain for, you know, five or ten minutes and see what it is that you do? And then you've got an introduction to sit down and learn more about what their job is, shadow them. I, I wouldn't have learned... I wouldn't be where I was if I wasn't stuck in an accounting office doing data entry for five years, doing everything I could to figure out how to get out of that and onto an on-site position. So what I did was shadow the head production manager on the weekends, where I learned how to put on arena shows. And I would have never thought to ask to get paid for that, but I was running the whole show. He would show up in the morning, and like five minutes later, he'd disappear for the entire day, and I'd put on the whole show. So that was my free work that really taught me what I needed to know about the industry. And I think that you know, finding those little ins, once your foot is in the door, you might hate the job that you're currently doing, but it's an opportunity to talk to everybody else in the organization, learn what they're doing shadow them, see what you like, see what you don't like, and uh, kind of refine what you want to do from there.
2: And both echoing everything that, that you all said, as well as the, the one thing that, that, that always kind of irks me and that I find to be, ironically, some of the least relevant, uh, the, le- the least relevant approach is when, I mean, like, raise your hand if you like music. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Like everybody likes music, right? Like, so when someone's like, "I love music," I, I, this is why I want to do it. It's like, you but have to love to reason. work. Like, that, that. Right. the music is like the byproduct of the work that you do. It's not. Everybody loves music, so it's like, what are you bringing that isn't that? Because, otherwise, you're the same as everyone else. Because if you don't like music, you don't like pizza. Like, you're a fucking alien, and <laughs> <laughs> like, you shouldn't. You're like, cool, man. Like, great, you like music. You're so unique. But if you come to the table with, like, practical skills or identifying holes in what you... You attended Pitchfork last year, and you thought that our ATM lines sucked, and you want to build a new way for that, like, fix something versus, like, tell me how much you like music, because I mean, unfortunately... Unfortunately, we all love it, right?
0: Man, I think... I just... I gotta say, I think fix something might be, like, next to the ice thing. Like, that is such a valuable insight. It really is, like, find something you can fix, find a way to help, like because you're right like i think for so many people they just think like yeah like i have a like i have all these spotify playlists but but yeah find something that needs fixing and find a way that you can help and then suddenly you become essential
3: well and it's when when you meet somebody the first thing you should be thinking is not what can this person do for me but what can i do for them and so when i meet you oh i see that you have an atm problem line i can solve that that's the first thing that you should be thinking. How can I solve a problem that you don't have time to solve? And then you do that and then they're gonna think of you when they then there's a paid posen- position or they're gonna refer you to somebody else. But when you go in with like, I like music and I want to work on a
4: festival. It's cool. Those cool. Are li- those are the people watching the Literally, show. Literally like of there's doing nothing <laughs> cool about it. Like I
2: think it was said earlier, there's nothing I mean what you end up putting on is cool, but it's cool for the artists and the attendees. Like you're you're working in the not cool part. <laughs> so it, you get to float off of that when like, you know, parents at my kid's school come up and they're like, man, that's so cool. I'm like, that's a huge fucking pain in the ass. But it is cool when you see it and you have your, we have our own versions of those types of rewards, but the work is what you have to do to make that cool. And the only people that really think it's cool is like the people that come and check it out and the artists that hopefully play. And that's what the goal is, right?
3: Like, I, I do the work I do for the people that attend. Because it doesn't matter who I am. When those, they go crazy for their favorite band, I had a little bit of something to do with that. I'm not there for that band that's on stage. I actually prefer working on stuff. that, like, I don't know if I'm the suburban mom. I'm not the warp Tour audience, like I said. I don't really care about anything. I love them, but I don't actually watch a lot of the warp Tour bands. But it's great, because I'm backstage working. I'm not missing out on anything. And you know, I'm there for the kids that want to go have the best day ever not to watch the thing on stage.
0: All right, so we are going to open this up to Q&A in just a moment, but first, please, let's give it up one more time for our awesome panelist. Allie Ellinger, Jen Kellogg, Chris Kasky, and Lucas King.
4: You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.